Federal law. Discovery in the United States is unique compared to other common law countries. In the United States, discovery is mostly performed by the litigating parties themselves, with relatively minimal judicial oversight. The Federal Rules of Civil Procedure guide discovery in the U.S. federal court system. Most state courts follow a similar version based upon the FRCP Chapter 5 Depositions and Discovery. According to the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, the plaintiff must initiate a conference between the parties after the complaint was served to the defendants, to plan for the discovery process. The parties should attempt to agree on the proposed discovery schedule, and submit a proposed discovery plan to the court within 14 days after the conference. After that, the main discovery process begins which includes, initial disclosures, depositions, interrogatories, requests for admissions, RFA and requests for production of documents, RFP. In most federal district courts, the formal requests for interrogatories, requests for admissions and requests for production are exchanged between the parties and not filed with the court. Parties, however, can file motions to compel discovery if responses are not received within the FRCP time limit. Parties can file a motion for a protective order if the discovery requests become unduly burdensome or for the purpose of harassment. In federal criminal prosecutions, discovery rights originate from a number of important Supreme Court decisions and statutes, the most important of which are Brady v. Maryland, 1963, which requires a prosecuting attorney to disclose to a defendant any material which is potentially exculpatory or that would impeach the credibility of a prosecution witness. Brady also applies to evidence that would mitigate the defendant's sentence if a defendant is convicted. Jenks v. United States, 1957, and the Jenks Act, which requires federal prosecutors to produce any witness statement in the government's possession that relates to the subject of the witness testimony, if that witness will testify against the defendant. Giglio v. United States, 1972, and the resulting Giglio Rule, which requires that any deal with a witness that might call the witness's credibility into question must be disclosed in court. As a consequence, any plea bargain or deal made by the prosecutor with a witness in exchange for testimony should be disclosed to the defense as part of the discovery process. The formal discovery process for federal criminal prosecutions is outlined in the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, Rule 16. District of Columbia. The District of Columbia follows the federal rules, with a few exceptions. Some deadlines are different, and litigants may only resort to the D.C. Superior Court. Forty interrogatories, including parts and subparts, may be propounded by one party on any other party. There is no requirement for a privilege log. Federal Rule 26b, 5, was not adopted by the D.C. Superior Court. Where above is stated litigants may only resort to the D.C. Superior Court upon correction is found according to the District of Columbia Superior Court Rules of Civil Procedure Section 73b Judicial Review and Appeal which states, judicial review of a final order or judgment entered upon direction of a hearing commissioner is available on motion of a party to the Superior Court judge designated by the Chief Judge to conduct such reviews, after that review has been completed, appeal may be taken to the District of Columbia Court of Appeals. This rule basically implies that in a civil action, if a hearing commissioner is authorized by all parties to conduct the proceedings instead of a judge, upon a request for a review or appeal, the motion must first be reviewed by a superior court judge to the same standard as a motion for appeal on a superior court judge to the court of appeals, but the right to appeal to the higher court still remains. State law. Many states have adopted discovery procedures based on the federal system, some closely adhere to the federal model, others not so closely.
some states take an entirely different approach to discovery. Many states have adopted the Uniform Interstate Depositions and Discovery Act to provide a uniform process when discovery is to be done out of state. Alaska In Alaska criminal courts, discovery is governed by Rule of Criminal Procedure 16. The scope of discovery is broad and includes much more than is required by Brady v. Maryland, 1963. The discovery process is intended to provide adequate information for informed pleas, to expedite trial, minimize surprise, afford an opportunity for effective cross-examination, and meet the requirements of due process. To the extent possible, discovery prior to trial should be as full and free as possible, consistent with protection of persons, effective law enforcement, and the adversarial system. A prosecuting attorney is required to disclose to the accused the following material, and to make it available for inspection and copying, 1. Names and addresses of witnesses, 2. Written or recorded statements of the accused, 3. Written or recorded statements of a co-defendant, 4. Any books, papers, documents, photographs or tangible objects with the prosecutor intends to use at trial, 5. Any prior criminal convictions of the defendant or any witness. In practice, this means that criminal defendants in Alaska are able to review any police report, lab report, audio or video recordings, witness statements, and more, before they proceed to trial. Most defendants will also have this material far enough in advance to have reviewed it before making a decision about any possible plea deal. California In California state courts, discovery is governed by the Civil Discovery Act of 1986, Title IV, Sections 2016-2036, of the Code of Civil Procedure, as subsequently amended. A significant number of appellate court decisions have interpreted and construed the provisions of the Act. California written discovery generally consists of four methods, demands for inspection, the formal statutory name for requests for production of documents, form interrogatories, special interrogatories, and requests for admissions. The duty to respond to California discovery requests is not a continuing duty, the responding party only needs to respond with the facts as known on the date of the response, and is under no obligation to update its responses as new facts become known. This causes many parties to reserve one or two interrogatories until the closing days of discovery, when they ask if any of the previous responses to discovery have changed, and then ask what the changes are. Historically, California depositions were not limited in length until the legislature enacted reforms in 2012. Another key difference is that most objections must be made in detail on the record at deposition or they are permanently waived. A party may only propose 35 written special interrogatories on any other single party unless the propounding party submits a declaration of necessity. No subparts, or a compound, conjunctive, or disjunctive question may be included in an interrogatory. However, form interrogatories which have been approved by the State Judicial Council do not count toward this limit. In addition, no preface or instruction may be included in the interrogatories unless it has been approved by the Judicial Council. In practice, this means that the only instructions permissible with interrogatories are the ones provided with the form interrogatories. Criticism The use of discovery has been criticized as favoring the wealthier side in a lawsuit, by enabling parties to drain each other's financial resources in a war of attrition. For example, one can make information requests that are potentially expensive and time-consuming for the other side to fulfill, respond to a discovery request with thousands of documents of questionable relevance to the case, file requests for protective orders to prevent the deposition of key witnesses, and take other measures that increase the difficulty and cost of discovery. In 1983, 
The Advisory Committee on Civil Rules attached a committee note to Rule 26 of the FRCP that cautioned federal courts to prevent use of discovery to wage a war of attrition or as a device to coerce a party, whether financially weak or affluent, then had to repeat and stress that exact same text in the 2015 committee note. It has been argued that although the goal of discovery is to level the playing field between the parties, the discovery rules instead create a multi-level playing field that favors the party that is in control of the information needed by the other party. Instead of encouraging discovery, the rules are described as encouraging lawyers to find new ways to manipulate and distort or conceal information. Some tort reform supporters make a similar accusation, that discovery is used by plaintiffs' lawyers to impose costs on defendants in order to force settlements and unmeritorious cases to avoid the cost of discovery. However, others argue that discovery abuse is an exaggerated concept, that discovery works well in most cases, an exaggeration of American litigiousness and its cost result in confusion within the justice system. As implemented in 1938, the modern American discovery scheme granted powers directly to private parties and their counsel which are functionally equivalent to the power to issue self-executing administrative subpoenas. This is why civil law countries strongly dislike and oppose American discovery, they regard broad discovery in the hands of private parties as destructive of the rule of law because from their perspective, the result amounts to a private inquisition. Civil law countries see the underlying objectives of discovery as properly monopolized by the state in order to maintain the rule of law, the investigative objective of discovery is the prerogative of the executive branch, and insofar as discovery may be able to facilitate the creation of new rights, that is the prerogative of the legislative branch. England and Wales the discovery process in England and Wales is known as disclosure. This process occurs in both civil and criminal cases. Criminal disclosure. Criminal disclosure is the process by which the Crown, typically through the Crown Prosecution Service, provides the defense with relevant information discovered during the course of a criminal investigation. The disclosure process helps protect the right to a fair trial. Every accused person has a right to a fair trial. This right is a fundamental part of our legal system and is guaranteed by Article 6 of the European Convention on Human Rights, ECHR. The test for what information should be provided during disclosure is set by Section 3 of the Criminal Procedure and Investigations Act 1996, CPIA. This requires the Crown to provide all information which might be reasonably capable of undermining the prosecution case or assisting the defense case. This standard is an ongoing obligation throughout the lifespan of a criminal investigation and trial. While the majority of disclosure will likely take place at the outset of a trial, usually at or before the pretrial preparation hearing, PTPH, multiple disclosures may occur throughout a case as required. The CPI and 1996 Disclosure Test When the prosecutor must a. Disclose to the accused any prosecution material which has not previously been disclosed to the accused and which might reasonably be considered capable of undermining the case for the prosecution against the accused or of assisting the case for the accused, or b. Give to the accused a written statement that there is no material of a description mentioned in paragraph Section 3 CPI and 1996 Detailed guidance on the manner in which disclosure is undertaken is offered by the Code of Practice for the CPI in 1996 and the Attorney General's Disclosure Guidelines. The Attorney General's Disclosure Guidelines provide. 12. Investigators and prosecutors need to be aware of the delicate questions which arise when both the right to a fair trial and the privacy of complainants and witnesses are engaged. 
Fulfilling disclosure obligations is part of ensuring a fair trial in accordance with Article 6 of the ECHR. To comply with Article 6, during the course of an investigation, the investigator or prosecutor may decide that it is necessary to request and or process personal or private information from a complainant or witness to pursue a reasonable line of inquiry. This includes, but is not limited to, digital material. 13. When seeking to obtain and review such material, investigators and prosecutors should be aware that these lines of inquiry may engage that individual's Article 8 rights and those rights in respect of other parties within that material. The Attorney General's Disclosure Guidelines 2020 Criminal disclosure interacts closely with the obligations placed on investigators to undertake all reasonable lines of inquiry, whether they point towards or away from the suspect. This requirement is created by PARA 3.5 CPI A Code of Practice. While investigating, officers are therefore likely to encounter material which points away from the suspect and is in turn disclosable. In order to aid the investigation, narrow lines of inquiry, and assist with efficient and effective disclosure the defense should also provide a defense case statement. This statement outlines the position taken by the suspect and will allow prosecutors to identify what is at issue in the trial. Contents of the Defense Case Statement 6a Contents of Defense Statement 1. For the purposes of this part a defense statement is a written statement. a. Setting out the nature of the accused's defense, including any particular defenses on which he intends to rely. b. Indicating the matters of fact on which he takes issue with the prosecution. c. Setting out, in the case of each such matter, why he takes issue with the prosecution. c.1. Setting out particulars of the matters of fact on which he intends to rely for the purposes of his defense, and d. Indicating any point of law, including any point as to the admissibility of evidence or an abusive process, which he wishes to take, and any authority on which he intends to rely for that purpose. Third-party material. Third-party material is a specific class of material identified by the fact that it originates outside the activity of the criminal inquiry or prosecution. Typically, third-party material includes mobile device data, CCTV, and medical, therapeutic or local authority records. This material may reveal important information to the inquiry which may become evidence in the case. Where information from third-party sources does not form part of the evidence, it may still need to be disclosed if it meets the disclosure test. Access to third-party material is governed by the Attorney General's guidelines on disclosure. These require that third-party material must be relevant to a reasonable line of inquiry in order to be obtained. As such, third-party material should never be accessed speculatively. It must always be based on a clear set of pre-existing reasons. Access to third-party material especially in rape and serious sexual assault cases, RASO, has come under heavy criticism from groups representing victims of these crimes. They argue that requests for material from victims has become excessive and that requests often go far beyond simply seeking contemporaneous records, or records known to contain evidence that relates to the incident. Indeed, often records are sought which span many years, and in circumstances where the victim or survivor is not aware of any relevant material existing within the records. The invasive nature of improper or excessive access to third-party material has been accepted by the government in the end-to-end rape review, which sets out actions to be taken to reform the approach of the CPS and police to third-party material. Recent guidance and legal judgments, 
including the Court of Appeal case of R.V. Bader James and Anor Yuka Krim 790 and the Mobile Phone Extraction Report by the Information Commissioner's Office have set out detailed principles for accessing third-party material, especially in the case of mobile and digital information. These balance the rights to privacy of victims and witnesses with the right to fair trial for defendants. Civil Disclosure The discovery process in the jurisdiction of England and Wales has been known as disclosure since the reforms to civil procedure introduced by Lord Justice Wolfe in 1999. For many types of cause of action, but not for example personal injury claims, which have their own additional parts of procedure rules to follow, disclosure is governed by Part 31 of the Civil Procedure Rules, CPR, and its linked practice direction, PD, 31B on disclosure of electronic documents, adopted in October 2010. The purpose of the practice direction is to encourage and assist the parties to reach agreement in relation to the disclosure of electronic documents in a proportionate and cost-effective manner. As in the United States, certain documents are privileged, such as letters between solicitors and experts. The usual forms of discovery are general discovery and specific discovery since parties in issue are unlikely to reach agreements as to what ought to be disclosed. This reflects in the current discovery rules which put emphasis on compliance of time limit, rules on service, proper list of documents and rules on privileges set out in Part 31 of CPR and PD31B. Once a party properly conducts general discovery in accordance with discovery rules and procedures, documents are deemed discoverable, for example documents are available for inspection. Inspectionability refers to procedural and legal elements, the former concerns clerical production of documents, the latter concerns the relevance test, Peruvian guano v. Financiaso Compañiage, 1881, and linkage test. A mandatory disclosure pilot was introduced on January 1, 2019 for use in relation to a range of claims handled by the business and property courts, in order to support a more cooperative approach to disclosure, the scope of the documents to be disclosed being not wider than is reasonable and proportionate, in order fairly to resolve issues.